enough caffeine in the system after morning tea. Praise the Lord. We're going to jump into this session. Uh, this is about a local church that stands firm. A local church that stands firm. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 3.15. First Timothy 3.15, if I delay, you may know how you ought to, one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Paul writes this to Timothy and says that he is writing and teaching so that you will know how to behave in the household of God, in the church. The church is the gathered people of God, and he describes the gathered people of God as a pillar of truth. There are some things we should take from the text straight away that God is expecting that Christians are gathered together on a regular basis. And when they are gathered together, there is a right behavior that is expected of us coming together as well. Additionally, the importance of this gathered people is highlighted. Paul isn't just saying here that it's good for us to come together and help each other out, although that does happen when we come together. We carry each other's burdens, we love one another, and we help each other. But it's not simply for this purpose. It is that we would be a pillar, a foundation, a buttress of God's truth to the world around us. And we would agree here today, I'm sure, that our world desperately needs truth. And the church is to display that truth. In this session, I'm addressing the importance of the local church the importance of the local church in standing firm to the cultural pressures of our day. And I want to frame this right. Before we, before we get into these kind of marks of what it'll be for it to be a church that stands firm and to look for a church to stand firm, I want to just make sure we're grounded in our understanding of what the church is. By doing that, we have to think firstly about who the church belongs to. Today, one could be forgiven for thinking that churches are safe spaces for struggling people or awkward people or a place where maybe you can get a meal from time to time and someone to listen to your troubles. And yes, those things do happen in churches. Part of our call is to care for those in need. But it's easy to turn the focus into aiming to just become the good guys in the community, guys that are there to help out with some things that are going on. So let me frame this biblically by saying we must start with the one whom the church belongs to. We have a reigning king. Christ, our Lord, is our reigning king. Before his ascension to the throne, he took on flesh. He obeyed the law of God perfectly, but he died a sinner's death. He died a substitutionary death in the place of his people. And he redeemed a people for himself through resurrection. In resurrection, resurrection, he crushed the head of Satan. He defeated death itself. He went into battle and he came out of battle victorious, even against death. The ascension is absolutely essential to your understanding of the local church because Christ ascended to the throne of God, the eternal throne of God, the throne of David, fulfilling the scriptures of the Old Testament. Who sits on the throne? A king does. A king sits on the throne. A king who sits on the throne is our eternal God, the Son, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 1.8 says, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Amen? The whole world has a king, even if they disregard him as king. But specifically, the local church has a king, and we are under his reign. We are under his rule, positioned earthly for making this king known. And there is great assurance for us week to week, living out our faith and practices that we're not just having a go at this stuff. We're not just simply making this up and, and, and trying to do good in our community. We are called to be obedient to the all-powerful king of the cosmos. In regards to standing firm then in your day, in our day, without the local church, you are not going to stand firm against the culture. In fact, you don't know how to stand firm against the culture. Standing firm is something that is done in the community of God's people together. Without the local church, you're not going to be equipped to stand firm. You don't know how to live for him, let alone obey him in standing firm. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, Paul writes, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He gives these roles to equip Christians, the saints, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We are his body on earth, and we are building this up, but we are being built up by the shepherds and the teachers. Paul says that the shepherds and the teachers are given for equipping us. Equipping the body of Christ, that's the church. Regarding our day and standing firm without the local church, you might know that things aren't right. You don't need to, you don't need to have the local church to, to know that things in our world aren't right. And you might be able to criticize the culture, but you don't know what to do about it. You don't know how to, good, to, to fight the good fight, and you don't have any soldiers by your side to fight with you. It's not enough to be a Christian who is mindful of the times. It's not enough to be a Christian who objects to the things that are going on in our society. Non-believers do that. Non-believers are cancelling Disney subscriptions as well. <laughs> God always gives commands to his gathered people where instructions are given that we are practicing together. God doesn't call Lone Rangers. He consistently speaks to a gathered people, gives instructions to a gathered people, we are, of course, to be witnesses in the world to, to others. We defend the faith, yes, at times on a one-on-one -on -one level. During the week, you meet someone at the shops, you meet someone in your workplace, and you have a one-on-one -on -one encounter. But the equipping for this, that you're enabled, you are built up to be able to do that, the base from which we operate from and the people that we return to again and again and again is the household of God where we are built up for that task of taking the news of the king to this world. We are God's people. We are a body, the body of Christ. We need a local church. We need to belong to a local church. God commands it. Further, our king neither calls us to retreat from the battle of our day. 
We're not to retreat and say, hey, this world has gone mad. I think I'll find a place off the grid and lay low. Christians might be tempted to find property away from all of the madness and just get away from all the cultural Marxist ideas of the day, but God doesn't call you to retreat, Christian. We have wonderful work to do. Hard work, yes, but wonderful work and there is reward for it. The body of Christ, the church, it is global, yes. We think about having brothers and sisters overseas in all parts of the world, but the body of Christ is lived out locally. Every town, every city on the face of the earth needs the king's people gathered, needs the king's people represented to bring the gospel to the people around them. Paul says in Romans 1 that the aim of the gospel going out is to teach the nations to obey Christ. That is so important. This modern idea of thinking about we want to just be the loving people in the community. We are actually called to go with the instruction to help them obey the king. Modern evangelicalism thinks more about coming to Christ and receiving his love, which is is true. It's about coming in and finding a, a community of people to care for us. Again, that stuff does take place. Certainly not untrue, but Scripture is clear that we are to come to Christ and obey him. That's what you do with a sovereign, all-powerful king. You obey your king. Being a Christian is about learning obedience to your king. And we love to obey him. We love to obey our king. He's, it's not burdensome to obey our king. It's a wonderful thing. And families are learning every day all over the globe how to obey Christ, having surrendered to his reign. Yet there are many more who need to hear the good news of the king. So this hopefully frames for us that we need churches to be more robust than simply being a friendly community. But how do you teach the nations how to obey Christ if you are not obedient to Christ? And how do you learn to obey Christ? Christians learn to obey Christ their king by belonging to the local church. So step 101, for every single Christian, find a solid local church and commit to the fellowship there. Serve in the fellowship there. Submit to the fellowship, submit to the leaders, sorry, in the local church. A healthy, standing, firm local church will teach you how to obey Christ. It'll equip you to stand firm in your day. And it'll teach you how to teach others to do the same thing. And the kingdom grows in this way, right? It is in the church, the local church, that we become devoted to the apostles' teaching. This is the place where the renewal of minds takes place. Yes, it happens in your private time too, of course. But we need the instruction of the shepherds teaching us what the apostles taught. We need the fellowship of believers spurring us on. Spurring us on to good works. In the same way that a a child will learn to obey God by obedience to their parents. Christians learn obedience to Christ by submitting to the leaders in their church. So as Christians seeking to stand firm, you need a local church. The church is the body of Christ at work in the world. And to borrow from a a phrase that that, that I, I appreciate, you can't be a body part if you are apart from the body. A missing limb is useless in battle. If you are a solo Christian, if you are a a missing limb not grounded in the local church, 
Maybe you came here today because you love apologetics and evangelism. Your desire is knowing how to defend the faith better against culture. But if you are not a part of the local church and you, you love those things, you are in error. Because you haven't even got the first principle of obedience to your king, which is to join a church and submit to the local elders. Paul describes the body that you are to belong to in Ephesians 4.16, saying the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. We think of other texts uh, causing us to take seriously the coming together of God's people. Hebrews 10.25, of course, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but also Hebrews 13, 17, which says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. So that's really the first step. Every believer needs a local church in order to be able to stand firm. The local church is a non-negotiable for any Christian in any age. However, it is fair to say then, knowing this first principle, it is also fair to say that much of the modern church is somewhat of an unfit body for this task of taking the news of the king out. This body or local bodies have been a little too comfortable, spent a little too long on the couch maybe, maybe feeding on too much of a high sugar diet and snack food rather than the proper meals that should be served up. So there is a need in our day to look for churches who will stand firm. And there is a need for churches to examine themselves and make the necessary steps to change and become a church that will stand firm against cultural trends that just come in like waves. They will always keep coming, but we are to stand firm as those waves continue to come. So what are the marks of a church that will stand firm in our day? Our first need is to be healthy local churches and for Christians to look for and, and pastors to lead and become healthy local churches. The marks of a true church will be the, the word of God preached, the sacraments and church discipline. We talk of sacraments, of baptism and communion. We talk of the practice of church discipline and the word of God preached week in, week out with solid biblical theology. Expository preaching, uh, going through books of the Bible is really a foundational thing for all churches, for all local churches. But in regards to standing firm in our day, there needs to be more said than just expository preaching. Expository preaching is the good and right place to start, but it isn't enough. There are many places that haven't even got that yet, so that is a much-needed uh, uh, thing for churches to embrace. But there is more to say, because you can have expository preaching each week and still have a church that crumbles under the pressure of culture. You can have expository preaching and then still be a church caving in on the issues of transgender, feminism, and Marxist ideas of the day. So we need a church that understands what the authority of Scripture is, not just understands the authority of Scripture, but actually practices it in light of what is going on. Understands that it's not just something that we have on the website that say we believe in the authority of Scripture. When the, the waves of culture come at us, we respond with the Bible. We respond with the Word of God like we believe in the authority of Scripture. Not like it's just the right thing to put on the website. The need for churches that evaluate and observe culture 
through Scripture is what we need. If we think of the Word of God opened in front of us, the idea is not that we take the culture and use it as a lens in which to look upon the Scriptures. Because if you're doing that, you are looking at the Scriptures through a broken, a dirty, an ungodly lens. We're supposed to have it the other way around. The Scriptures themselves become the lens that we look at our world and we look at the culture itself. That's how we get it the right way around. That's how we are able to make true statements about our culture, true statements about men and women, true statements about the state of things in our world. A church that stands firm teaches people to observe the culture through the clear, untainted lens of Scripture and is able to make clear statements about right and wrong. The mark of a church that stands firm upholds the authority of Scripture by responding with the words of Scripture. It's been said that some people will say in our day that people don't believe in your Bible, so you can't use your Bible. How ridiculous. You probably know the analogy of thinking of a knight that draws his sword ready to do battle, and somebody says, I don't believe in your sword. Oh, I better put my sword down. How ridiculous. Local churches stand firm when they give answers from the Word of God and teach their people to do the same. Another mark of a church that stands firm is that although our aim is to live peaceably with everyone, we understand that we live in a world that is hostile to the gospel, hostile to God. We therefore read all of Scripture and understand that Jesus said things like, don't be surprised if they hate you because they hated me first. So much so that they yelled, crucify him. Like Steve Lawson said, one of the biggest problems with preachers this today is that nobody wants to kill them anymore. <laughs> Why is that? Craig's already addressed it. Niceness. The church idolizes niceness. Have this idea that we can win people to Christ by being the good guys. And if that means that you have to disregard the clear teaching of Scripture, people are doing that in order to blend in with the culture. So instead, we need a local church that's actually okay with upsetting people for the sake of truth. That's not a license to go and be a jerk, but to understand that the truth of God's message is going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to upset some people. They're going to call you names. Are you okay with that? The Bible commands are to love and care for people, of course, but not to withhold the truth of his word. Remember that truth sounds unloving to a culture that doesn't know truth. And to truly love others is to teach what is true. So a local church that stands firm is okay with being called names. It's okay with opposition for the sake of people hearing the gospel and being one to the kingdom. And listen, a lot of this mostly impacts your pastors. So like Craig has already said, it's a... You, you, we need to be praying for pastors because they're the ones who will take the hits in many ways of these situations. Back your pastor. Stand firm with your pastor. Bless your pastor. Help your pastor to stand firm because it's very tempting for a pastor to go down the road of least resistance, to be tempted to take the easy way and just blend in. A church that stands firm might be thought of, and, and many of 
possibly thinking why this hasn't been mentioned yet. A church that stands firm is a church that will speak out against tyranny. That'll be where many of our minds go on the subject. A church being vocal about the issues in the world will be something that surely our minds will be thinking about. Over the past two years, we've seen uh, a lot of frustration. We can know that people have been frustrated by the silence of church in, in terms of issues in, the, in our world. How can we know that we belong to a church that stands firm in terms of pressure from the culture that can lead to pressure on the church to change its practices, to not be like one of those organizations that we could speak of that once stood firm but now have gay pastors and have headed in this direction? And there is an obvious point to answer this, which is that we need to be vocal on matters. The, the church will need to speak on topics where there is a need. If the government is overreaching, it is right that the church is vocal at times about those matters. We don't be silent on the topic of abortion just because it's labelled by so many as a complex issue. So naturally, we would all, I'm sure, think towards the vocalisation of speaking out. And I would agree, but I want to dig a little bit deeper than that. Firstly, being vocal, giving a response will certainly have a place but we need to be mindful as God's people that we aren't just becoming churches or looking for churches that are speaking on every single thing that's latest and current in the news. Getting so obsessed with all that's happening in the culture that we actually then start to shift away from our core business, which is winning souls for the Lord Jesus. There's a time and a place for calling out the nonsense, absolutely. But we have a Christian mission from our king go and make disciples winning souls to the kingdom of god is our core business it's what drives us it's what gets us up out of bed in the morning we're up ready to win souls for the kingdom of god we're doing it collectively it's we exist in the church for these purposes there's a danger for christians in becoming so caught up in observing all of the foolishness of our day observing all of the foolishness of government, that we replace the core business with just being speak-out people. You'd be a culturally aware, ready-to-speak-out person and completely disobey God's clear commandments of winning souls for Christ. So vocal, yes, of course. But what is our main aim? To see souls converted. That's what we're about, friends. We are about the conversion of the lost seeing them go from darkness and death to light and life. That's our core business. People have been frustrated with, with churches and the silence in, in recent times, but I want to point something out here. There are, there are people who have sat in churches that had very little drive and conviction to win souls for Christ. People who year after year sat in churches where there was no drive for conversion. And it wasn't until the government tried to take away our personal freedoms that people started to get a little bit, hey, where's the, the church speaking up? What I'm trying to say is we should have been vocal long before the government tried to take your personal rights away. We should have been vocal at the fact that we had churches that were just sitting there comfortable and lukewarm. So I want to add conversion as a mark of a church that will stand firm. Because if you belong to a church that is locked on to conversion, these cultural waves aren't going to bother them. They'll respond to them as they need to. 
But they have a mission. They're like a heat-seeking missile that is set on the target, and we will accomplish. We will be able to see souls won because this is what God has given us the command to go and do. The mission of soul winning is actually what brings change in this world. Cultural waves hit us, but we're not overwhelmed by them. We don't become unstuck, fearful, wondering how can I possibly live in this crazy time? So we're locked onto this core mission that we have, and it's, it's wonderful, it's joyful. The most beautiful things are when we share with somebody else about coming into the kingdom of God. A young man shared with me just of his conversion just this year, just here today, and it's just filled me with so much hope and encouragement and drive to continue going because God is in the business of winning souls for his kingdom. Mission of soul winning is what brings change because, yes, vocal has a place, but a heart redeemed by the king is a changed heart. And if you add many changed hearts to that, you get change in your society. A church that stands firm is a church locked onto the mission. So don't, be a sim- don't simply be an anti-everything-that's-going-on person. Be a soul-winning Christian. Be a person in a soul-winning church. We're talking marks of a church that stand firm. How will you know if you belong to a church that stands firm, up against the culture, not buckling under the pressure? My final point is that you will know it because it loves you enough to call you out on your sin. Church discipline is to be practiced and the sins of the church need addressing. We can be focused on the sins of the culture and giving no attention to the sins in the room of those who are called to actually be most obedient to Christ. Addressing the sins of the people is uncomfortable, but necessary for those being transformed and renewed by God. We are called to change, not stay the same. And and the way that we are changing is by having our sins addressed and then growing through that. When you come into a, a church, a body of people, you're going to get upset somewhere along the line. When you come together over tasks, you are going to say the wrong thing to somebody and somebody's going to say the wrong thing to you. And it's wonderful. It provides an opportunity to grow in Christ. You hear so many stories of Christians running away because somebody over there upset me. You just missed an opportunity for sanctification. You've missed the beautiful and wonderful opportunity for grace, forgiveness, restoration, and not making the same stupid mistake again. A church can't stand up to the government. A church can't stand up to the culture if it can't stand up to you and your bad behavior. It's not to expect that every time you you turn up to church, someone starts grilling you with all the things you're doing wrong. But to say that from time to time, there will be things that ruffle your feathers. There will be people who love you enough to say, hey, that thing is damaging. That thing is not right for people in the household of God. You need a church that loves you enough to call you out on that. Because we're not perfect people, right? Is anyone sitting here today thinking that they are without sin and no one could ever say anything to them? Yes, we're Christians, we're saints, we are uh, uh, right in the eyes we are justified in the eyes of our god but we are wrestling with sin day in and day out 
And that sin will manifest itself in the life of the church. Finally, what role does the church play in standing against the current of the culture? I want to come back to our text. 1 Timothy 3.15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. The church is the pillar of truth. Buttress of truth. The buttress is a, is a source of defense or support, a foundation as well it's used to describe. It's a structure built to defend against attacks. So do we hear that? The church is to be a defense, a pillar of truth. It guards against evil. It teaches truth to a world that doesn't know truth anymore. People might object to the pillar of truth, but we don't cease to be the pillar of truth just because they object. We love them enough to continue being the pillar of truth. When the world is going mad as it is, when people are yelling loudly and waving flags and people are looking to see and, and hear from, they need to hear from the pillar of truth. Not simply a place that just blends in with the culture. Matthew Henry writes, when a church ceases to be the pillar and ground of truth, we may and ought to forsake her, for our regard to truth should be first and greatest. Those are strong words. But that reminds me of if, if salt has lost its saltiness, what, what good is it? There will be different cultural battles, friends, in the future, but the church is not to be any different in what it proclaims and stands upon. The pillar of tr truth that the local church is to the world is an unchanging pillar because the truth itself is unchanging. It needs no updating, no revision. And this pillar of truth, Jesus Christ our King said, I am the truth. This pillar is a pillar of none other than our Lord, our King Jesus. So friends, let not your hearts be faint. We are a pillar for King Jesus by his grace to be churches and seek churches that stand firm for his purposes. Thank you.